want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians this morning. Uh, You can go ahead and turn there. We're actually going to look at a couple of other passages first, but we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 will be our key passage this morning. But I actually want to start in Romans chapter 12. If you want to turn there, you can mark both places, but we're going to, I'm going to read Romans 12, 1 and 2, and then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Um, So we started... Several weeks ago, we were in the transition process, everything was going great, and then things happened, amen, Uh, and so we haven't been able to kind of continue where we wanted to, so given the timetable and what we're looking at in order to keep things moving forward, to keep our hearts encouraged, to learn from God what we need to learn at this time, some search committees moving forward, wanted to go ahead and pick up the transition process and kind of change things around a little bit, so I'm going to kind of jump to the end. And we talked about the five functions. We did get through that. We talked about the five functions of a biblical church. Evangelism, discipleship, uh, fellowship, worship, and service. We talked about those things uh, and service or ministry being the same thing. What I want to look at is the four results of a kingdom church. What does it look like when you're doing those five things, when we're doing those properly? What does a church really look like? And so Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Uh, and if you're familiar with the passage, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or your acceptable service. And then it says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, we talked about this several weeks ago. We, we, we talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2, and uh, we've mentioned it some in the morning devotions uh, as well on Facebook. There's two key words there. There's the word conformed and transformed, and those words are important because the word conformed, when it says don't be conformed, it's the word for a scheme or a schema. It's the word for shaping something on the outside to look a certain way, but it's really the same thing as opposed to that word transformed, which literally means changing something from the inside out. When you transform something, it still carries the root element of what it originally was, but it has become something very different. And the Bible always talks about transformation. It talks about working for our transformation. So with that in mind, there are, there are four results that we want to look at in a, in a kingdom church. And here are the four results. Number one, spiritual transformation. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Number two, numerical growth. And number three, ministry expansion. And we're going to talk about those next week. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about the fourth thing, which is kingdom advance, which is missions, among other things. But this morning, we want to focus on spiritual transformation. Here's the thought I want to leave with you guys, and I shared this on Facebook yesterday. You might have heard this statement before, practice makes perfect, right? You've probably heard that statement before, practice makes perfect. And there's some truth in that, but really, we say that as if practice makes perfect means if I practice hard enough, then I will be perfect in what it is that I'm practicing. As if the end result or the goal, what I'm trying to achieve will be made perfect the more I practice. The problem with that is, what if we're not practicing the right way? What if you're practicing improperly? I'll give you an example. If you are trying to be a world-class tennis player, you can go onto the tennis court and you can practice all day long all you want to with a baseball bat, and I can promise you, you will never be a world-class tennis player. 
Now, you might be really good at hitting a tennis ball with a baseball bat, and you might be a novice, and you'll be very unique, and people will probably want to see, hey, come watch the man or the woman that plays tennis using a baseball bat, but you're not going to win tournaments that way. You can practice all day long, but if we're practicing the wrong standard, then all we're doing is perfecting a result that we never intended when we started practicing, and that's, that's true with the church of Jesus Christ. So when we think about spiritual transformation, we think about practicing, doing these five functions that we talked about, we talk about living as a church, then one of the ways we can determine, are we doing what God wants us to do, is we can look at what the result is. What does God say is a result of a church that's functioning the way that he wants it to function? A believer uh, who's living the way that God wants us to live as individual believers. And in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're told that God's desire is transformation, not confirmation, transformation. There's no scheme here. It's, it's an outward work. It's God changing us. Now, uh, let's, uh, let's take a look at a couple different things. Uh, you know, I've turned there. Matthew 28, 20 uh, gives us the Great Commission where Jesus told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything I've taught you, that they would learn and live it and believe it. So everything he taught the disciples applied to their disciples all the way down to us some 2,000 years later. With that in mind, I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, because that's where our text is going to lie today. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we're looking at the first thing, just the first thing this week. We are looking at the kingdom result of spiritual transformation. And we say that this way, more like Christ. Ask yourself the question, do I look more like Christ today than I did yesterday? Well, if we're not careful, some of us would be discouraged just by that very question. Might be tempted to give right up. Uh, do I look more like Christ today than yesterday? There's some days when not only do we not feel like we're more like Christ, but there's some days maybe we feel like we've actually moved backwards. And there are going to be days like that. But do I look more like Christ today? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, because you're going to see a, a, familiar, a familiar word is going to appear. It says in verse 18, it says that we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, depending on the translation you have, if you have a New King James or an IV, uh, where it says in the King James, where it says we are changed, it says we are being changed, you might actually have a version that says we are transformed, and that's the word we like. It's the Greek word metamorphumetha, metamorphumetha. It's the same root word from transformed that we get in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be transformed, metamorphosis. And we've talked about this before. It's the idea of a, of a, of a, a caterpillar going into a cocoon, and when it comes out, it's a butterfly. So to, to lay a foundation, we've got four things we're going to look at it to help us understand we've been transformed this morning. Before we get there, we've got to lay this foundation. We've got to get our minds wrapped around this idea. Um, now, the difference between conformed and transformed. If I were to take Play-Doh, and I were to shape that Play-Doh into a butterfly. And, and let's just say I'm a master artist with Play-Doh. I'm not, but let's just say I am. And let's just say that I produced with Play-Doh something that looked I'm like, wow, that really looks like a butterfly. And you looked at it, and you said, man, that's a, how did you do it? You did that with Play-Doh? I mean, it looks like an actual butterfly. I said, doesn't it look like an actual That's great. Hey, let's watch it fly. And if I were to take that, that butterfly that I made out of Play-Doh and throw it up in the air... Well, it's going to fall straight to the ground. Why? Because it's still Play-Doh. That's the word conformed. Na nothing has changed. The Play-Doh is still Play-Doh. The nature of the Play-Doh hasn't changed. The difference, beloved, 
is a caterpillar when it goes into a cocoon, and when it comes out of that cocoon, not only does it look different, but it functions very different. So if I throw a caterpillar up into the air, it's going to do what the Plato did. It's going to fall to the ground. Maybe it'll survive, maybe not. But when it comes out of that cocoon and begins to flex its wings, a caterpillar can do something that it couldn't do before. Now a caterpillar can fly. It's a butterfly. It's different. It has the same elements that made it. It still has that same shape of a body. The difference is now it has wings. And we recognize it as a very different thing, but we understand that that butterfly came from a caterpillar. And when we look at the Christian life, beloved, when we look at the Christian life, what we need to understand is that God does that in your life and mine. He takes what we were and he transforms us so that we still have that element of our humanity, but he's touched it with his divinity. He's touched it with the very spirit of God, which is why in verse 18 it says, we are changed, literally being changed, into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Now, this word, this, the word that's used here, it's a little different from the words in Romans 12, 1 and 2. That word changed or transformed, it's present, it's present indicative middle passive voice. So what does that mean? I know in the comfort of your homes this morning, you're watching because you wanted a Greek Bible study. And, and so uh, I'm not going to bore you with that. Uh, I know when I start using terms like that, uh, normally, you know, uh, you would think, oh, well, I'll just wait till he gets back to English. Uh, the fact that I can't see you right now, you think, oh, let's run to the refrigerator and grab a drink. Don't do it. Listen, I need you to get this. This is important, all right? Present indicative, middle, passive voice. What does that mean in the Greek? There's two things. Number one, it's indicative. It means it's indicative of something that is happening. This is taking place in your life and mine. If you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit is in the process. It is His job and it is His work to change you and me into the image of Christ. It is indicative of something that God wants to do. This is what He wants to happen in your life and mine. It's in the middle voice, which means it has to do with me, with you as an individual... All right? It's in the middle voice, means it's something that's happening to you, but it's passive, meaning it's happening to you. It means, beloved, that you and I are not responsible for our own transformation. It is God's responsibility to transform us. He is changing us by His Spirit. It is only God who can take us and make us something so very different than we were before we met Jesus. This is not something we achieve by works. This is not something we achieve by human effort. If we were to try that, then we're falling back to that word conformed. We're going back to that word in which we're on the outside trying to look like something, but nothing has happened on the inside. No, beloved, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit is working for your transformation. And a church that is engaged in evangelism, discipleship, worship, fellowship, and ministry, doing the things that the Bible calls us to do, the Holy Spirit is in the process of moving in our hearts and lives so that the more we're doing those things, the more we're living as God wants us to live, the more He is making us look like Christ. In the passage there, it says we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. And it says beholding as an open face or as in a glass the glory of the Lord. And there's a, there's a whole lot of meaning in that. And I won't spend a lot of time there this morning. But in the context of this passage, if you go back and read leading into this, it says in verse 13 that Moses put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Now let me give you a little Bible history here. If you know the story how Moses went up onto the mount and he met with God, and the Bible says when he came down from the mountain, his face shone with the glory of God. And the Bible tells us that Moses put a veil over his face. 
And, and in the Old Testament, it's not fully explained, but here in the New Testament, it is. Why did Moses veil his face? Because as Moses came down from the mountain shining with the glory of God, the, the more time he spent away from God outside of the mountain, that glory would begin to fade. And that's what we're told in verse 13, to the end of that which is abolished. And so he wore the veil so that people couldn't see the glory departing from his life. Now we come to the New Testament where something very different is happening. Because this glory that God has put in your life in mind is not a glory that fades away or that God intended should fade away. In fact, your life and mine should look more glorious today than it did yesterday. We should look more like Jesus today than yesterday. Now, I don't know if you're like me. When you read passages like that, sometimes you're tempted to go, well, I, I quit. But that's the whole point. This is not our work. This is God's work. And it, he does that as we walk with him and trust him. The question I would ask as we're going through everything we're going in the world today, do we look like a people whose hope is greater because of this? Do we look like a people who have more confidence as a result of everything we're seeing in our nation and in the world today? It's the Holy Spirit will do that. If we will just trust him and walk with him, he will give us what we need to look like what this world leads, needs. And that phrase there, beholding is in a glass, and you might have a translation that says as in a mirror, and this is powerful. It doesn't mean beholding ourselves as in a mirror. It literally means that when we look into a mirror or when the world looks at us like looking into a mirror, they see the reflection of Christ. Now, with that in mind, four things I want to share with us, and they'll go kind of quickly this morning. If I'm being transformed into, uh, into to be more like Christ, then, then, then how's that going to look? What's going to happen? Well, our, our life is going to develop in four ways. Number one, we're going to develop in our relationship with Christ. You're going to develop in your relationship with Christ. John chapter 15 and verse 5. Uh, says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bears much fruit. When you abide with Christ, when you, when, you, when you and I abide with him, and that's key, I am the vine, you are the branches. He is the vine, he is the source, he is the root, our life is the fruit. So we're going to develop in our relationship with him. He brings forth much fruit. And then it says, for without me, you can do nothing, nothing. John chapter 17, Jesus told the disciples that I go to be with my Father, and just as the Father has worked in me, the Father is now going to work in you. We go to the point that he lives his life in us and through us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so the Bible tells us that, that as we walk with Christ and we develop in our relationship with him, we look more like him, and that is the natural result of walking with Jesus. So go back to the vine and the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. We will develop in our relationship with Christ when we realize that I have no life apart from Jesus. How much time do you spend in the Word each day? How much time do you spend talking to Jesus each day? How much time do we spend each day as individuals simply walking with Jesus and talking to Him? We will develop in our relationship with Christ so much so, not just that we're beginning to look like Him, but the only way that happens is if we're connected to the branch. Beloved, too many times as Christians, we, we think there's some area of our life where we don't need Jesus. We think there's some area of our life we don't need to stay connected to him. No, the reality is that the result of a kingdom church, the result of a church that has committed to the principles of the word of God and the principles of Christ, those people in that congregation, by and large, we will look more like Jesus today than yesterday. We will be more dependent on him today than yesterday. 
If you are living as a Christian and the older you get, the less you think you need God, then, beloved, we are doing something horribly wrong. And we have let the devil sneak into our heart and life and mind and tell us that there's somehow that we can survive apart from him. And we cannot. We cannot. We will develop in our relationship with Christ. Number two, we will develop in our relationship with other believers. We will develop in our relationship with other believers. The mark of a church is the warm, loving relationship believers enjoy with one another. Now, if you're like a lot of Christians right now, if you're like a lot of us right now, it's very frustrating. We, we can't be together. We can't see each other. Uh, we, we, can't, we can't fellowship. And if you're one of those Christians we talked about before, that right now you're missing the fact that, that you, can't, you can't hug. We can't hug each other. We can't shake hands. You know, for a while there, even before they told us we couldn't worship like this, we had to social distance and, and stay at home and all those things. You know, we're doing the elbow bumps and all these different things. And, and right now, if, if you're missing the church, that's a good thing, beloved. If we're missing not being able to gather, that's a good thing. The problem is there's some people right now who, who, are, who, who haven't been in church in weeks and there's no difference. Well, what does that mean? Beloved, if we're developing, if, if we're developing in our relationships with other believers, if we're walking with Jesus the way we want to, we're going to enjoy one another. We're going to miss one another. We can't wait to get back together. The times that we spend apart, it should be like a family. And, and, and right now, I see all the posts on Facebook. I see families driving into driveways and, 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 and honking the horn and, and grandma and the grandkids and they're kind of waving at each other from, from the driveway and, 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 that's, and, and, and they're missing it. I see all these people posting, but I can't wait till I can hug my grandkids again. I can't wait till I can get together with my family again. And I see all these posts about that and that's a wonderful thing. That's how it ought to be. We ought to miss our families. But you know what else I see? I see posts talking about I can't wait till I can get back to church. I can't wait till I can be with the family of God again. I can't wait till I can see my children, spiritual children and grandchildren. I can't wait till we can get back together in the body of Christ. And that day is going to come, beloved. We have different backgrounds, different cultures, different ideas, different opinions, different experiences, but we have a common bond in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 28 says that we are one in the bonds of Christ. He's taken everything and he's made us one. But the key passage is in John 13, verse, verse 34 and, and, and 35, where he, talks about, uh, where he talks about making us one in the body and one as believers. And I love the Bible says that you, the Bible says that the world will know that we are his disciples by the love that we have for each other. By our love we will be known. By the fact that we are, I believe, as believers, our relationships are strengthening. Are we always going to get along? No, of course not. Are we always going to agree? No, of course not. Are you going to have some people in the church that we're going to identify with? Of course, because we have, we have different personalities, different backgrounds, different likes and dislikes. And, and there's always going to be those points in our church where, and, and just like it is in real life, where you have some people where you bond to more than other people. But at no point in our life as a child of God should there ever be a desire to separate ourselves from the fellowship, completely from the fellowship, from the church of Jesus Christ and not miss it. And so if you're like me right now, you're anxious and you're excited and you're, and you're looking and you're watching the news and you're waiting for the day when things can be back the way they were because we know, we know that when you're a part of the body of Christ, we know how much we need each other. The prayers, the encouragement, the support, the fellowship, and we love that. We know that it means that we're a part of a family that is bigger and something that goes into all of eternity. And so we'll develop in our relationships with other believers. Number three, we'll develop in our relationships with unbelievers. Spiritual transformation says, I will develop in my relationships with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 20. Let me read this one to us because this is so important. The Bible says that all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
to this point that God who was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So one, two, three, four times the word reconciliation and reconciled appears in two verses. And then in verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, here it is a fifth time, be ye reconciled to God. We will develop in our relationship with unbelievers. Those who are objects of the Father's love and concern must be on our hearts and minds as well. If, if I'm being transformed, if, I'm be, if one of the marks of a church of Jesus that's doing all that God wants to becoming the church that it wants to be is spiritual transformation, becoming more like Christ, and how I interact with him and other believers, it also means how we interact with the world. We need to remember John 3.16 is more than just a verse that we learned when we were in children's church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the heart of God for the whole world. And if we are a child of God, then there is no one, no one we will hate, no one we won't desire to see come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. If we're a child of God, we will increase in our love for the world. We will increase in our love for unbelievers. We will find ways to reach them, even where we are right now when, when we can't be around them. And, and I, I went out the other day. I, don't, I haven't a couple times in, since we've been in quarantine. I've gone out and, and, and went through drive through and got something to eat. Mostly we've just been cooking at home. I haven't been to Walmart in I don't know how many weeks. But here's the thing. Usually when I go out to these places, I, I'm going to give somebody a track. I'm going to give them an invitation to church. We, we can't give those things out. How do we connect with unbelievers now? And, 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 if, and if that isn't frustrating us right now through this, the fact that not only can we not be together, but that there's a part of us that's struggling with how do we minister to the world through this, that's a good thing. If that doesn't bother us, then that means there's something wrong in our walk with Christ. If we can't wait till we get back together and back to a place where we can get back in the world uh, and, and back in front of people and sharing the gospel with them, if we're not missing that, then there's something wrong in our walk with Christ because we've been made ambassadors and if you know anything about an ambassador, an ambassador is an appointed servant who represents a foreign kingdom. And beloved, we are the servants of God and we represent the kingdom of God. And we ought to find those ways under the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses to those not just in our community, but to the ends of the earth. You see, prior to all of this happening tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., I'm supposed to be on a plane headed to Honduras. I was supposed to be in Honduras this week, spending three, four days uh, teaching and preaching in a Bible college in San Marcos, in, in, in Honduras, or outside of San Marcos in Honduras, teaching some 50 to 100 pastors, depending on how many could get there, and then, and then coming back on. So that's where I'm supposed to be. We can't do that. Can't get over there. Why? Because of everything that's going on. But eventually, we'll be able to get there. We'll be able to get back and do that. And I miss that, and it's frustrating. Why? Because I know that there are people, to, people all around the world who are going through this right now who don't have hope, who don't know that the answer to this, the, the ultimate victory over this is found only in Christ. So we'll develop in our relationships with unbelievers. And then here's the fourth and final thing this morning. We will develop in the Christian disciplines. We'll develop in the Christian disciplines. If you go back and read Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 45, and you can read that on your own, you can also read it um, you can also read it in, in uh, other places in Acts. When we talk about the Christian disciplines, we talk about things like Bible reading, prayer, worship, witnessing, faithful attendance in the fellowship of believers, faithful to church attendance, the Lord's Supper, baptism, all these different things. None of these things produce mature Christians, but they're the mark of mature Christians. 
In other words, if you just do them on your own, it's not going to make you mature. But as you're mature, but you can't mature without doing those things. In other words, unbelievers can read the Bible, but it doesn't make them more like Jesus. As Christians, we can come to church. It doesn't make us more like Jesus. If our heart isn't in the right place, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, if we don't know that we've trusted him as our Savior, then, then all these things just become works. And the Bible says we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. But if I'm developing, if I'm becoming more like Jesus, then the Bible, and this is what Jesus said, when he, was, when, he was, uh, when he was in Samaria and he stood before a well and he met a Samaritan woman and, uh, uh, and the disciples went into town to get food. When they came back, they saw him talk to the woman and said, we went to get meat. And Jesus said, I have meat that you know not of. And they're asking, well, we didn't have food. We went to get food. Where did he get food from? And this is what Jesus said, my meat, my food, my sustenance is to do the will of my Father. Beloved, if, if you and I are being transformed, if we're being made more like Jesus, if we're becoming more like him, then we're going to love those things that Jesus loved. Jesus was routinely found going alone where he could get before God in prayer. Jesus routinely quoted the scripture. Jesus engaged with the world around him. And all the things that Jesus did, we will do and we will do them more. And we will do these things not because we're trying to conform to anything, but because we're letting the Holy Spirit transform us. And the way that the Holy Spirit transforms us is when we're a member of a Bible-believing church where the Word of God is preached and taught, where you have music that is centered around worshiping and glorifying God. We come together and we sing and we worship and we uh, worship in song and we hear the Word of God. And when we leave, we've been drawn together in the body of Christ so that we've loved God and we know that, we've, we, know that we are loved by God and we can't wait to go out into the world and make a difference to those around us. And, and when people look at us and they go, what is, it, what is wrong with you? What makes you who you are? What is so different about you? What is so special about you? We tell them it's nothing about us. It's all about Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. So it's very important that when the world looks at a church, they don't see a church who's trying to conform to worldly measures and worldly standards. They don't look at a building or an organization like every other organization in the world. They look and they see an assembly of people who are very different. And they're different because of where their hope lies and where their faith is and what they're looking for. One of the key marks to know that we're doing it right, to know that a church is on the right path, is when, by and large, the congregation looks more like Jesus today than yesterday. And as I've said, are we going to be perfect? No, of course not. But we won't be content to be imperfect. We won't be content to not grow. We're going to desire that. And, 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 if, and if anyone can go to church and be comfortable with sin in their life, looking like the world, living like the world, and acting like the world, then there's a problem in the church as a whole. And so, beloved, it is my prayer, and it should be your prayer, that even as we go through these coming weeks and months, and as the search committee works, that one of the things that God does is sends a man who will lovingly and powerfully and boldly and humbly, and the two go together, stand and preach the word of God to this fellowship so that when we leave, we are drawn into the presence of Jesus and a desire to walk with him and look more like him in the way we interact with each other and the world around us. And that is spiritual transformation. It is God doing it, not us. So let's pray. Father.